And welcome to episode 116 of So What's Been Happening. It's a Wednesday night, the 8th of November. Right behind me, the backdrop tonight is the famous Melbourne icon at the retreat, front bar. So make sure you uh, get down and see some local tunes there. Um, what a spot. Used to be residency for the, the great Charles Jenkins. Uh, and he's since moved on a little bit. Uh, hopefully he'll come back to the retreat very soon. Uh, he was in the back bar at the retreat on the weekend so there you go uh just a little thank you to jamie hutchins for joining us last night on last night's show and tomorrow night's show we've got al car joining us so from castlemaine so that'll be a great gig but tonight it's all about mark sinton uh this is an exciting guy that i've met uh, in the last couple of years um, not new to melbourne but new to me uh and he's his album that he brought out a little while ago now um, was one of one of my absolute favourites to this one here, Change to Something New. Incredible songwriter. Um, I'll let him do the talking tonight, though, um, and he loves to have a chat. So what better man to bring on than our good friend of So What's Been Happening Now, Mr. Mark Sinton. Welcome, Mark. Uh, good evening, Owen. That's a nice build-up. I like a chat, huh? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Chat and a beer. They go hand in hand. Yes, yes, yes. I like to fall into the uh, cliches of Irishman uh, chatting and drinking beer. It's all yeah. true. Absolutely. Um, I want to start with a bit of a random question, but one that's come out uh, not long ago with one of our loves and one of your absolute loves, the Beatles. Um, I have to mm -hmm. touch on. We're starting there, are we? <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? We'll start with a bit of a random one with uh, the latest offering by the Beatles, possibly, potentially the last, um, the now and then clip. Yep. What's your thoughts uh, on on the, on the this, how it's kind of kind of came together? I think it's a bit of a magic story in itself, but kind of yeah. the clip and stuff that goes with it. What's your, what's your thoughts as a Beatles nut? Well, look, I mean, I love it, you know. Um, I, I just feel so lucky to be alive in this era, you know. I mean, I was born when the Beatles split up. But they were really part of our and have been part of my DNA since you know since I've been a cub, and for them to release this song now as what I think is a, it sounds contemporary to me, you know, um, I just think it's I think it's a really beautiful full stop uh, to the career of the Beatles. I think the little doco that was made was was wonderful when you heard Lennon's voice at the end soloed. I mean, it was just, I mean, I defy any Beatles fan not to sort of get emotional at that moment. And I look, I really, really like the song. Um, you know, um, needless to say, it's going to be compared in some ways to their whole oeuvre. And I'm, I'm almost thinking that's not what it's about. You know, yeah. it's about it's about just the end to an, a, just um, an unprecedented story. So I'm a fan. Yeah, beautiful. Um, how can it not be? But what what an impact that obviously the Beatles had in such a small time. Um, mm. Is there any other band that you can come across or that you know of that 
not, obviously, there's the Beatles and then there's Daylight generally yeah. um, to anyone else. But is, can you yeah. think of anyone else that's kind of had almost as cl- anywhere near that kind of impact in sh- such a short period? Hendrix uh, kind of speaks to mind as me, but is there anyone yeah. else you want to think of? I think Hendrix is a, is a really good shot because he had a very, very small window of opera, you know, window, and he, he influenced, I mean, his influence is, is just continued through to all those great guitarists. I think Pink Floyd had a really big influence. I know we're going back to uh, harking about the older music here. I think you'd have to put, put Pink Floyd somewhere in that category, particularly the Sid Barrett period as well, you know. Um, I think that's massively influential. I know if people come to Pink Floyd to think maybe Dark Side of the Moon, etc., with Dave Gilmore just doing his thing. But, you know, the Sid Barrett stuff's pretty amazing, you know, and I think that's really influential. You, you know, the list goes on. You know, you could talk about the Stones, but for me, no, um, definitely, definitely not. And it's not a Beatles versus Stones thing. I just don't think they're, oh, apart from that little period, you know, that, that trifactor of albums, I think was really influential. But they had a longer, that was a longer period, right? Yeah. So I'm going to say maybe Floyd, you know, even even Pink Floyd right up to pre-Dark Side of the Moon, maybe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? um, uh, uh, Nick, Nick Drake, Nick, if you look retrospectively, Nick Drake put out three records and and he's been rediscovered, particularly with the next generation of muses past us. You know, they've really embraced Nick Drake. But you're right, there's daylight. The, the Beatles in daylight, you know? Yeah. In my opinion. Sure. Well, we're going to talk about Mark Sinton and then Daylight tonight. So we're going to have a little <laughs> bit of a change of scene, change of scene. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of yours, Mark, and uh, I want to thank a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Mark Burke, for uh, dragging me along to one of the, the Sinton special um, <laughs> one night, and uh, I've been kind of gripped ever since. So yeah. uh, I appreciate that, Marky Burke, um, who, who's a great man in music. Uh, I put a little post out during the week, and he, he was a little bit embarrassed by it, to be perfectly honest, but he... We gave him a little bit of love because he's uh, he's got so many people around yeah. uh, Melbourne, um, yeah. especially in into music yeah. and and loving yeah. music. Absolutely, and he's a very modest man. You know, he so doesn't big himself up, and he's got a very odd sense of humour, which I, I quite like. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's go uh, far back, way back in time, up to Northern mm. Ireland uh, as mm. a youngster. Um, yeah, your first memories as a young youngster. Um, of music in the house or down the street, someone else's house maybe. But what's your first kind of visual memory that comes to you when you... Yeah, yeah. Oh, gee, you got me. Um, I think my mum loved ABBA, right? um, Excuse me. And she she loved Willie Nelson, right? So Willie Nelson and ABBA, they were the two that probably I just were just sort of omnipresent when I was a kid, particularly ABBA. and so that that's probably uh, the first memory that springs to mind, you know, just remarkably um, well-crafted pop songs, you know, got me hooked on melody straight off. Mm-hmm. The Willie Nelson thing, and it was quite dichotomous, like too, but that probably got the sorrowful thing coming into my mind, the country music. Yeah. So they're probably the first two things, yeah. And my dad liked Jim Reeves. My dad really liked, he was more traditional, but yeah, mum was more, she, she liked the pop. Yeah, but there, there wasn't Beatles in my house growing up. There wasn't the Kinks. There wasn't the Who. There wasn't. It was. It was those ones, really. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Sure. I, I can definitely pick up a bit of uh, that melody, that ABBA kind of feel. Not necessarily that you're you're ABBA inspired, but there's definitely a little little touch of it there. Um, oh, melody's God. Mm, yeah. In my- mm. And, mm. and music for you, kind of as a youngster growing up, um, was yeah. it a music family? Or a music community, obviously, the Irish roots um, you know, goes, <laughs> yeah. goes insane with music and, yeah. and down at the pub. But what kind of was it for you in your area? Uh, look, I think if when I become really aware of music was probably around eleven or twelve, where I become obsessed with music. And I grew up. <clears throat> you read about the, the Irish thing, both north. I'm from the north of Ireland, and you know, music is part of our DNA. Um, it just absolutely is part of our DNA. I have my, my cousin is musical, is a musician, a very talented musician, Peter Baxter, um, singer songwriter. He, but but in, ter- um, in terms of our mums and dads, they didn't really play music 
much. There wasn't there weren't there weren't instruments in the house. My aunt had an organ knocking around. I think she used to be the church organist, so yeah. she had one, and I would always go and sort of pick out melodies on that. You know, oh, from from I was knee height to a donkey. But me, for me, becoming obsessed with music would definitely definitely have been around eleven or twelve. That sort of early early eighties. You know, in the UK, I'm not sure what it was like in Australia, but in the UK, I mean, music really, you formed your gangs in school because of music, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and I gravitated towards the mod uh, thing um, because I was really into the jam. I loved the jam. And <clears throat> you'd see these bands on Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops was my church. Every Thursday night, you would sit down and you would religiously watch it. And you had bands like the Smiths, the Cult. I'm just rattling off a few: the Specials, the Jam, the Clash. Probably, I mean, the Clash and the Pistols were a little bit early for me. It was more post-punk. I came on board. XTC. Yeah. Oh no, that's a little bit later. But yeah, so so these, um, yeah, that's that. Like at eleven or twelve, it was a big deal when you went to the playground. You you had to have an identity and and. And that really informed your social group, you know. And these bands were selling millions, Aaron. Mm -hmm. The Jam were selling millions of records because of a yeah. performance on, you know, on the Thursday night. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's when it started around that period. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a particular, you mentioned before about, you know, groups and um, <clears throat> kind of find you really, but was there, a, was there a special, one of those mates at school that kind of said to you, oh, have, you got to have yeah. a listen to this? Gee, now you're asking. Um, probably just friends in the neighbourhood, you know. We, we all lived in the States. It was all, Northern Ireland is, is, is a wee bit different, well, not a wee bit, quite different to Australia in terms of the makeup. There's not as much room and you're all more in, in the States. Um, so I can't really recall, but there was just a bunch of us. We were all just little mods running around, you know, with our, and Quadrophenia came out at that time as well, you see. So there was a mod revival, which I'm sure you're familiar, aware of. Mm -hmm. 79, again, I was a little bit too young. But it just seemed ubiquitous. It just seemed there. Mind you, actually, I do remember I was really into Adam the Ants as well. <laughs> so, yeah. but not, not for, you know, and again, it just comes down to melody, and I thought he looked really cool. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but melody. Bit of, stage, bit of stage presence, bit of spunk, you know. Um, very, very much so. Very much so, you know. And it was just, uh, as I say, it was, the, this was getting on, this was in the charts, man. You know, the, 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 this stuff... And they were selling millions. Yeah, it's big news. Yeah, definitely. Um, and your first instrument, what age were you and, and how did it um, why, why did you pick it up? Yeah, so violin. Um, so in primary school, they did this thing uh, called the Bentley test. Jeez, you're really jogging my memory here. Um, I would have prepped for this if I'd known these questions. Um, they did this thing called the Bentley test, which would have been year six we called it primary seven and um they would just do a musical aptitude test on on kids and then they would assign a an instrument to you based on whatever score you got so i think i scored obviously i think quite highly so they said well you've got to learn violin so i did that and i didn't practice and i became very really unpopular in my group because i just yeah i was it was i was too young for it and then moved on to cello no moved on to double bass then cello so I had, I sort of did that for quite a few years. It was good. It got me out of um, biology, you know. Um, we, we, I remember wheeling the double bass down the down the corridors of high school. But yeah, that 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 was my first leaning into learning instruments. Hmm. And then, what came what came out after that? Obviously, I know you yeah. play guitar, guitar yeah. and piano, obviously. Um, but where did, yeah. where did what what came first there? The the, the guitar. So. I really, um, I, I, about, at about the age of 15, I kind of dropped out of music. I didn't, I just didn't practice enough. I clearly wasn't into it, you know, in yeah. terms of playing classical music. And, um, and then I, then I really got into the Beatles. Like at 15, it just was like my mind was blown away. And I'd been listening to 60s music way before that because of Quadrophenia. So I tapped into the Who, and then, you know, obviously with, um, uh, the jam, and then I'd look back to the small faces, the kinks, zombies, etc., runettes, and the list goes on. But then I discovered the Beatles at about fifteen-ish, and I thought, "This is this is this is different. This is mind blowing." And 
I became obsessed with that and tried to learn the guitar about 16-ish, give it away. But my cousin, actually, Peter Baxter, they, they lived in, he lives in Dublin, not well, south of Dublin, Wicklow. Uh, but he lived in Sydney at the time and they had come back, they were coming back um, every four years. And it was 1989 and he bought me a guitar and he bought me my first guitar. And that was Green R.E.M. I think that they were touring in Dublin at the time. Yeah, right. And I just bought the Beatles book, the um, you know complete Beatles, and just locked myself away for the summer of '89, and just <laughs> just played obsess obsessively. Yeah. So that's that's when it, that's when I picked up. But piano came a lot later. Piano, I took piano lessons in London um, when I lived there in the early noughties, and then stopped that for a bit, and then pretty much just re got back into it on making this the first album. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, all right, well, you've been kind enough to answer my challenge as far as uh, playing a couple of songs for us. So I'm going to oh, uh, do a bit of a break there um, and get you to play something for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I'll, I'll, I'll set up the um, piano here. I'll, I'll let you point me in the right direction if you can hear and see me. Can sure. you see me? Yeah, that's good. I'll just play. Um, I never get to take this on stage. It's a bit heavy. It doesn't fit in the back of the car. So um, I'll play something that'll probably be on album too. Uh, you've probably heard this song live anyway, Aaron. Listen to the words and just let go. 
the words and just let go. Listen to the words and just let go. Listen to the words and just let go. Magic, mate. Absolutely beautiful. Um, there's an incredible simplicity to that, Mark, mm. um, and that's easy for me to say as a non-musician. Um, but it just comes across, just it just transports me to another place. Um, oh, it's a beautiful song, man. It's so it's just yeah the harm yeah the, I can I can picture multiple harmonies in it if they were there. Um, mm. that I'm in during those chorus parts. Um, but just tell me a little bit about that songwriting process for you. Does how does it work, or how did it work in particular for for Heartland? Um, it would have been good if I'd remembered the lyrics properly as well. But this is absolutely live. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of stuff up the second verse, but that's how I roll. So apologies, listeners. Um, so Heartland's um, a very good friend of mine. Um, he and he's in the music industry, and he was just having a really hard time. You know, and um, he'd just been explaining to me how he'd had acupuncture, funny enough. And that's where I should have sung, I should have sung this, I should have sung this line, right? I'll just, if you let me correct myself. Um, the needle let it out. The needle made you cry. I know, man, I've been there. That's the, that's wow. the lyric I should have, so... But hey, it's a workshop, you know. But so yeah. the needle, so he, he told me that when he got the acupuncture, he just started really crying. And he'd obviously been holding up a lot of stuff. He's been, he'd been going through a difficult time with family. And I, look, he's a very, very old friend of mine. I just embraced him and said, man, just hang in there. It's all, it's all good, you know. And listen, like the heartlands, so listen to your heart. Mm. And the heartlands are calling. So, like, and look, and the thing is, Aaron, a lot of songwriting, particularly if you're an introspective singer-songwriter, it's all about, you know, you, you, me writing songs is essentially how I work out my life, you know? So I had a lot of empathy with, with my friend and I just, yeah, we had a coffee and I came back and literally wrote it in 10 minutes. That doesn't always happen. Mm. Mm. Did that answer yeah. your question? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a bit of a sense of magic uh, with that. Mm. And yeah, um, it did come back. Some songs may, you know, take forever and, and may never ever feel finished. Um, yeah. Hit the potentially hit the cutting room floor because of that because I just don't mm. feel right. I don't feel mm. now, but there's some Absolutely. beautiful lines. There's some beautiful lines, beautiful lyrics in that. Um, Thanks, Aaron. And personally, uh, I'm biased, and and I'd love to always pump your tires up on this show. But I mean, that album is an absolute ripper. Honestly, mm -hmm. um, it, there's so much magic on it, and and everyone I know that's ever heard it or touched it. Um, definitely Thanks. says the same thing. So it's uh, yeah. congratulations, you, mate. Yeah, it it, it making change to something new. Uh, consider my background. <clears throat> I remember when pre pre mixes, or I just got the early mixes, and it was just at the back of uh, lockdown, <clears throat> and I was sitting here in the studio, and I was just playing it to another old friend, and she just said, "You've arrived, Mark." You know, for me, after being in the industry 25 years or, or, or playing music, she just said simply, you've arrived. Now, I knew what she meant by that. Um, mm. You know, I'm still this unknown singer-songwriter in Melbourne that, you know, you know, on a good day gets 50 or 60 people along the show, which I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, but, yeah, for her to say that, and I think that's how I feel about that record, Aaron. I feel that um it was a really good journey for me to go on and I, I kind of in a way almost reinvented myself um if if, if people are familiar with the, the earlier work that i've done yeah so i'm glad that it's getting um really good responses from people because it, it feels it, it my instinct and my heart tells me that we did a good job on it yeah absolutely mm. um and I suppose I'd ask a question like, why now for this album? What was it for you that kind of was this now stripped back version? Um, this is the Mark Sinton for this particular for, album. For change to something new? Yeah. Well, so that was my first solo album. I'd never been a solo artist before. Um, I'd always played in bands right from, 
like 1991, I think was my first band. Maybe 1990. I was in a shoegaze band back in the day. Um, so, and I've always been in the band. And then over the years, through various, and it's it is a quite a, quite a history. Um, I was always the singer, frontman, singer songwriter of, you know, more well, 99 times out of 100, uh, you know, indie rock or indie indie alternative melodic, not rock rock, but indie, you know, indie indie rockish bands, two guitars, bass, you know, me singing. And it just, I, I, I had a band here called The Mansions um, that we kind of got going. It was the same format. And at the, at the back end of COVID, um, one of the guys moved away to, to Queensland and it kind of just fell apart. And we've actually got a record sitting, finished, complete album, finished, ready to go. And I'm, I reckon that it's, it's, I'm really proud of that. And I don't know if it'll ever come out. Um, and I just felt a bit flat after making that because then all of a sudden I'm going, oh my God, another rabbit hole or dead end. Cause I do have had a, quite a few dead ends. Um, and, um, and Rowan, Rowan Sforcina, who co-produced the record with me, essentially Rowan and I made the record by ourselves. Eliza jumped on with some bass. Eliza, who's in my band, jumped on with some bass and, and singing. But we were sitting at the North Coast Social Club one night, actually, a bit of local reference for you. And we, we were with the mansions and, and we just rapped. We just had a rap on, on the mix and we were all happy. And he just took me aside quietly and said, if you're ever interested in doing a solo record, Mark, I, I would, I, I want to be involved in it, you know? And I said, well, funny you should say that. <laughs> funny you should say that. I'm kind of working out how to do it. So that, that's how it started, really. Um, mm. Ro was the one that, that pushed me off the cliff. He was the one that said to me, you know, because I was just going to go, well, look, I'll, I'll put a band together, you know, because that was my default thinking. He said, no. Nah. I said, oh, I'm not good enough on the piano. I've got to get it. No, you're playing piano. In fact, you and I are going to play everything. We're going to try and make this sound like it's a bunch of session music from the 70s that it sounds. I'm like, what? <laughs> are you on drugs? He went, nope, we're going to do it. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. Does that so make you sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you needed, you felt like you kind of needed a bit of a push, or was it just the right timing for now? Um, I, I'd always played. Uh, um, look, I, I'd always been in bands where I, I guess you'd call it like a benign dictatorship. I was the singer, I was the songwriter. You know, I feel like the band leader, mm. and um, and I just probably it just I just got a little bit tired of maybe me formulating excuses in my mind why things weren't working out. Um, and it was always probably really um, convenient for me to go, oh, the bass player didn't do this. So you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just said, nah, enough's enough. Just just go. And because um, I was starting to dislike music again. And there was another period why I had a long break in music. Cause, and that's another story. Um, so, yeah, it just it just felt right to just do it on my own terms, to be honest. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I, I'm not looking back, to be honest. I'm loving it. And look, I've still got a band. I love, you've seen my band and yeah. um, they're, they're wonderful people and wonderful. In fact, they're going to be in this room tomorrow night rehearsing. But um, yeah, it's just felt right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very hmm. nice. Um, and here's a pick with you, the mansions. Oh, there you are. I didn't know you were going to do that. Yee, sneaky man. Nice and short <laughs> hand there. A very, a very different looking Mark Sinton. And we had a... We had a little comment earlier that uh, definitely made a comment of loving the loving the mullet. Um, yeah. It's not often that we get to see you from the side profile, actually, like we are tonight. So, I've just seen, I've just seen a cheeky comment from one of my old dear friends who who played in the band with me um, in Carbine. I'll, I'll I'll message him later. <laughs> I expect nothing less of you, Matty. Good on you. Good work. Good work. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we we obviously the mansions was what was one band, but another band, Gasolina Gasolina Rose. See, that there seemed a really good, that seemed like a really good idea at the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. call it the Gasolina Rose. Um, yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I practiced. You see, <clears throat> that was my band in London. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I um I formed a band in London after. The band Carbine that 
I moved to Australia to join, that moved back to London, that yep. fell apart in London and I stayed in London. And um, it took me a little while to get back on my feet again, maybe a year or so. And I formed a band and we called it the Gas and Arrows. And look, we, we, got, we had a couple of deals there. Um, um, put out a, a, a single through Queen Bitch Records, who were wonderful. Uh, and then we made an album called Nash Point um, through Barrier Records, who we sang to. Ah, the, people are going to think a, we've rehearsed. People are going to think we've rehearsed this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had a listen to this uh, a couple of days ago. It was a killer album, to be honest. Yeah, well, I really like it. Yeah. yeah, it's got that alt country sort of almost. Yeah, I don't know what it sounds like. Maybe Jayhawky, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, that that was the record I thought that I'd be probably I'd, I'd be making paying the rent from. Yeah. We, we'd had a, we had a decent record there with Bayer Records, and we had a, a chap called um, Charlie Francis who produced that. And we were extremely lucky to get Charlie on board. When, when I when I say Charlie Francis has worked with R.E.M., Wilco, uh, uh, who else? Robin Hitchcock. Um, I'm just going off the top of my head here. Swerve Driver, the High Lamas, um, uh, Nick Lowe, you know. Mm. So he and, and Charlie's a pal of mine to this day. In fact, he mastered this record. He mastered Change to Something New. Um, oh. Yeah, and we made that record, and and um, and I thought, yeah, this, you know, I, it, it was, it was a, it was a, I was thirty two at the time, thirty three, and I'd been doing, a lot, and I felt like, yes, now we're here, we're here, um, but that didn't work out. We we handed the we handed the album to the record company, and there was silence for like two weeks. Mm. Now, if you've spoken to musicians about that that have ever done that, that's mm. never a good sign, man. <laughs> No, no. That's caught. never. A, that's never. That's never a good sign. And um, and I remember Charlie. Like we we were we made it in London and we made it in Wales. And I actually was staying with Charlie at the time. And we were driving home, and he said to me, "Mark, I, I reckon this is." Um, he said, "I reckon this is one of the, the the top three records I've ever made." And maybe he was being nice. We were pumped. We we thought we'd nailed it. But yeah, so so it it, it probably all petered out. Probably took about a year. I'll not get into the nitty gritty because it got ugly, you know. It got it yeah. got really it got really shitty, really. And yeah, and it, the the album never really got a proper release. And then mm. I just I'd I'd had enough of the industry, and I, I came to Melbourne to live. I needed a break. It, it, the, the industry had broken me, frankly. Yeah, it's um it's Keep tough. Me. Well, the good part is it spat you out the other side uh, into years of kind of torturous recovery. But in in the end, uh, we got a killer album. Um, and look, uh, and that's it, and that's it, and I'm in a really happy place now. I, I, I can't, I can't emphasise that more, you know. And it's, you know, at the time, it's, it's really tough, and you know, you go through these, you go through these periods of insecurity, and every, any, any person will tell you that you don't have to be a creative or, a, or a musician. We all get really insecure, right? Um, but I got to the point where well, I can't call myself a musician anymore. You know, I don't have a record deal. I'm not touring. I'm not making records. But I've got I've got over that. Of course, I'm a musician. But you know, um, there was just that transition, and I think it's probably then that speaks to how difficult the industry is now. You know, you've got people, you've got amazing artists here. You know, I mean, I don't know how the hell you may make a dollar or Davy Lane, who's you know arguably the best guitarist, you know, top five guitarists in the world. Would you say? You know, the guy's incredible. You know, and 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 it's just and okay, sorry, Ash, but you know. But it's 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 an absolute disgrace, you know. So, not that I'm comparing myself to, to those guys. I don't, I don't mean that at all because they they are well well known in, in our circles. But it's it's tough, man. It's, it's, mm. it's, and I'm I'm not in that I'm not in that space. I yeah. I, I don't rely on money um, yeah. on music. Yeah. Just before you play your next one, I just want to touch on how how different is the industry now in respect of. Yeah, the world of the internet and social media um, and, mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's streaming devices out there. How easy, how hard is it really to try and push through and, and get some cut through in amongst all this kind of noise now? Yeah, well, you're probably talking to the wrong guy. I've got to be honest with you. I remember um, when I put this record out, I was chatting to Rowan and, and this, this, this talks to me going through what I've been through in the traditional sense, you know, 
have a record company, etc. Um, because I, I don't really push, I haven't pushed my stuff at all. I don't have a publicist. I don't have a manager. I'm not trying to get some sort of distribution deal because mentally I'm not in that headspace at the moment. So for me, it's, it's, I know this probably sounds a little bit, um, I don't know, it sounds a little bit naive, but so I, I don't, you know, I use social media, obviously, as you know, and I'm just enjoying doing it old school, just building up a following. And you've probably seen it grow over the last year, you know, where I'm, oh, these are people there and they're not my friends. This is good. <laughs> you know? um, so I don't, I, I would say that it's extremely difficult. I see young bands coming through and they're so savvy. You know, they're just on it, you know, they, 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 they understand the social media um, world much better than me. So I don't know if I can, I can't give you, I'm giving you a middle-aged Gen X's view on that. So, yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's simple, though. It really is. It, bottom line is it's tough work. Um, some of these it's, young youngsters get it or they find someone that does get it and <clears> knows how to do it and get it through. But, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I've spoken to multiple artists, kind of mm. anyone over 30, really. Yeah. Um, it's kind of some of them have kind of pushed it out to someone else to handle. Other ones trying to do it themselves. You might, a lot of the time, you find they're doing this as a second gig. Uh, this oh, is the fun part. And if it sells a record, they're wrapped. If it doesn't, yep. they got to do what they want to do anyway. So, yeah. Um, but if, if you really want to do it and be it, it for full time, um, yeah, this it's it's a tough wide world out there. Well, I, I think you have to have different strings to your bow. And, and, and I guess to go back to the Davy Lane reference, you know, what he's doing with those incredible musicians, he's sort of like, you know, with Wolfie and Dan Middleton and Cram and stuff, they're doing the Beatles thing, they're doing the Neil Young thing, etc. And I think, are they doing a Floyd thing? I'm not, I, can't, I don't know. You know, and that's obviously because they're using their talent tastefully mm. to, to make a living. And why the hell shouldn't they, you know? That, that, that wouldn't have been something that we would have considered back in the day. No way. You know what I, mean? I mean, you look at someone like um, Pete Farnan, who is just a remarkable talent in, who's obviously in Boom Crash Opera and still is. And we were, we were joking, like we, we, we were texting each other. He was in Wollongong going back from the Boom Crash Opera show when I was at the Clinger show. And I said, oh, they're playing, you know, the boys have been playing one of your songs. And he was going, yeah, he, he's, that's his paying gig, you know? But mm. you've seen him play a solo. Yeah. His solo records and his solo material are, it, it's just incredible. Yeah. But he's getting, you know, a handful of people to shows. And he said to me, I can't, there is no, um, uh, what, what did he say? There's no sort of upsell from, from the Boom Crash Opera crowd, mm. which they were huge. Yeah. Uh, they, just don't, they just don't go to his solo shows, mm. you know? Why? Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know, interesting. It, it, yeah, um, it's, that blew me away, actually. I, I was really surprised by that. Yeah, and I missed him uh, at your gig at Look. the Merry Creek. Uh, we yeah. went off to, to check out Carl uh, Kelly, who we absolutely love, um, up yeah. the road. Because came back and Gary Oxley, another one of our good friends, said, mate, Pete, Pete fun and just blew my mind. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not often that happens. And I know you mentioned uh, it's absolutely worth hanging around for, and it will blow your mind. Yeah, uh, so a of we, saw, we saw him up on a Saturday afternoon up at Shotgun. And honestly, my mind was blown. And, and there was literally 20 people. And there's some of those magical gigs that you think, this just needs to see the rest of the world. How does it's such an experiment for Peter? But he had he's got incredible talent there on stage and oh, what man, a well. and just what he does is mm. blew my mind absolutely. Oh, me, me, me too, me too. So, um, but but that's that's how many gigs do we go to locally? We're so lucky in Melbourne that literally you can go to a gig any night of the week, and you're not going to see duffers. You're going to see amazing musicians. Yep. And how many of those how many of those shows would you go? Why aren't people listening to this? It's just not the way it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. M music isn't like when I talked about, um, you know, when I was 11 and 12, music was everything. The jam were selling millions of records because we watched them on, on like on a Thursday night at Top of the Pops. That, that form's just not there. It's just, it's just simply not there. You know, and the pub scene, it just doesn't seem to be there either in the way it would have been back in the day without all the other distractions from the kids. You know, my kids, 
Like my daughter's not won't go and see gigs. My son might. Um, he's into his music, but you know, it, 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 there's always going to be a scene there, and it, 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 the music will find its way somehow. You know, it, it, the music always finds its way, Alan. Yeah. All right. Speaking of finding its way, it's right. time. Time for another. Do you want me to put, well, look, I've got this microphone. We're just doing it. We're just setting this up. Hang on a sec. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Let's see. Well, I I, I, I thought I'd better play a change to something new. Maybe play play the, the the lead track off the album that you've been talking about and you've been very kind about. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. cheering on behalf of everyone uh, Thanks, man. Board. Um, Thank you, fella. should really have a big crowd track but it's not going to happen so <laughs> that's <laughs> um, okay that happens at the next show correct correct uh there's some mess there's nine songs on this album um and it's mm -hmm. an absolute killer every one of them in my opinion but um i don't mean to say that it sounds so biased just to you but um let's talk about clips um, and little video clips in particular. I've taken a little sneak snip of my imagination here, uh, the first track on the album. Um, it's not easy to do, not easy to put together, have the time, mm. energy, resource. Um, 
Yeah. Here it is, a little bit of your clip from my imagination, but this one's a great one. Here go we go. There is only imagination, only imagination to build a wall, then watch it fall on everyone. Only imagination, only imagination. That doesn't spark a little memory of everyone just head back to their childhood or any little vintage footage of kids playing around or in the park at your nana's house or wherever. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the, this song, My Imagination, to you, man. Well, that footage is actually a really dear friend of mine, Dave McGann. Um, that's actually him. That's him and his sister. So it's real footage. And he, he very gen generously let me have it. And that's his mum in, in the video when, when you see it all. So cheers, Dave. Um, so it, it, th th this song essentially started my journey of writing different types of songs. My mum was really, really like, um, sick and I went back to Northern Ireland essentially to say goodbye, Aaron. Um, and that was at the tail end of 2018 and I wrote my imagination when I was there. My brother always keeps a guitar for me at his apartment. So, um, and, um, and it was just essentially, um, an ode to my mum. You know, if you, if you listen to the lyrics, you know, um, and uh, it, it's probably the most heartfelt uh, um, and, and toughest song on the record to write in a way. And, um, but the certain, mom was a miracle patient, believe it or not. She had a very, very slim chance of, of coming through and she, I'm really pleased to say she's still living to this day. And um, and she got to see the album, hear the album. She's got to see the video, and I've explained her all about it. So she's she's feeling pretty happy about that. So yeah, it's essentially yeah, um, your lost religion, waiting to rise. You know, all that. That's just essentially a love song to my mom. Yeah. Mm. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Um, and such such a nice way to tie in some some friends' footage into that little clip. Yeah. It's important to have, kind of have something. I know there's. Um, I went to a little gig with you in St. George's Road, I think it was, on the back of St. George's Road, that tiny little bar. Um, oh, it's nice. back, And it was kind of like this little tiered theatre. Um, oh, long play. Yeah, long play, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. That was a got a photo. Play. I have to uh, thank Angie Jones for this. This, uh, photo. Yeah. this was the gig, I think. Um, yeah, that's that, yeah, that was the one, man. That was a lot. Jeez, that was that was that was very self-indulgent of me to do that gig. It was um, it was essentially just me chronicling my my career. Mm. Yeah, that was about an hour and a half that show. I really enjoyed it, but it was quite nerve-wracking. You know, it was a small room and it was tiered seating and it was packed and people were like this far away from me. But <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it came across okay on on the evening. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about this uh, incredible home studio you've got. <laughs> Um, yeah, and lots of nice little instruments and tools there. Um, what yeah. a fantastic place to, mm. to not only um, you know jam and, and write music, but uh, yeah. potentially record and do all sorts of things there. So just tell yeah. us a little bit about this little magic room you've got. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm really lucky to have this space. I mean, I share it obviously with, with my family, although you wouldn't think to look at it when you see all of my kit in it. Um, yeah, we, we, look, we, we, we just have this as a as an add-on separately my, my home is, our house is just in there and i just set this up as a as a i've always had a room in london i always had um a, a separate studio as well um and yeah i just set up a little room that i can just just do my thing you know right uh just a, a little place where i spend quite a lot of time in here just somewhere where you can sit, feel safe and and, and work you know i mean a lot, a lot all the vocals all the guitars were done in here for, for the record um so I don't know if you can like that thing with the yeah you can't quite see but look my little vocal setup there so you know you really um you're working in a really comfortable uh, uh, environment yeah so that's really it really just my collection of guitars yeah, yeah. For, for a singer I've got an awful lot of guitars man <laughs> that's right um, is there an absolute favourite that you uh, you love to play. Um, so the so the telly the telly would be oh this would have been my 
this is my sort of you know do everything. I bought this in London. This sort of toured with it, sort of played. Um, I don't think this is on the on the solo record, but it was not every other record. Um, I like this one. Um, my the J forty five that you that I've just played for you. Um, that that one is this this is a beautiful instrument. Um, I like them all, but those two particularly. Um, one that's that's put away at the moment that you would have seen me play at the EP launch where I had a little one made by a guy called Jim Mateus, which is like a, a little double O, uh, yeah. a triple O, a little handmade one. If there was a fire, I would grab the Jim Mateus one, which is just in that case. I would grab the J45 and everything else is replaceable, even the telly. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Um, and you do, yeah, you do fall in love with them pretty much like your own children. Oh. Um, they're an yep. extension of you, aren't they? Yes, they are. And just t touch on because I never really get a chance to ask this question, but pedal pedals and pedal boards and all that kind of makeup too. Um, is there a real go-to for you, or is it are you pretty standard? Um, look, but I haven't been because of this sort of stuff. I haven't been playing a lot of. Um, I haven't been playing a lot of electric guitar, but I don't know if I can move this if this stuffs up your thing. But I've I've been doing a little bit of guitar. Can you see pedals there? Can you see? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've, that's. That's a mini board that I would use, but that's what I'm using for recording um, because I'm just doing some guitar for for someone in Dublin at the moment. I'm just doing a little bit of session work. Um, uh, just keep it simple, you know, organic sounds. Like we played a Valve's amps. A anyone will tell um, you. know, simple overdrives, a good delay. Nothing, you know. I've got boxes of pedals that you just accrue over time. You know, when I played a more guitar-driven stuff, you'd have to try it. You got to try the new overdrive. You got to try this and that. And, I mean, this one here is probably the holy grail, um, and all the guitar nerds will know what this is. Um, yeah, blues breaker. This is yeah, but I've, I just happen to have that sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, all right, we're going to play one more, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just quickly the latest um, live sessions that you've done. Ah, uh, yeah, no problem. So you want me to play another song, don't you? Again, if you've got one well, more in you. Well, you wanted me to play a cover version, didn't you? Because I thought... I don't I thought... mind. We, we can always go with the cover. Absolutely. It's just always well, well, good to hear an artist do something do you, a little different. Do you want to, do you want to try that? Um, you've seen me play, um, and I can get a little bit loosey-goosey. So I figured, because when you said to me, would you like to play a cover, and I've got books, of course, but I thought I would try learn this. This afternoon, wow! <laughs> so I've, still, I've still got the lyrics. So this is this this was released last week um, by quite a popular band. So if it's a bit loosey goosey, you, you can forgive me, okay? But we'll see how we go, right? Perfect. And the 
awesome that was awesome probably never been covered as yet or probably every Beatles well, I, th I, I think you'll find it's probably covered quite a few oh. times there's a lot of Beatles nerds around man yeah absolutely <laughs> um and and weirdly enough I did touch on it that I wanted you to play a cover you did let you and you will agree um absolutely that we had no discussion as far as no. what it would be uh I had just happened to open with the discussion in relation to that Beatles song uh, yeah, anyone picked up the start of the show, so yeah. what a little bit of magic tonight. Yeah, absolute little bit of uh synergy there. Um, yep, I had no idea you were going to talk about the Beatles, there I had no go. idea I was going to do that until about four o'clock. I thought I might learn this, I like this song. Well, that just shows <laughs> uh, the brilliance that is Mark Sinton. I know I'm going to speak on behalf of a lot of people. Um, uh, absolutely, Mark, thank you for doing that. So, all right, let's talk about live at the head gap sessions yep 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 uh yep. the magic of putting together um a live album and and a, one of those moments mm -hmm. in a room where a few tracks can come together uh you know tell us how bit how bit of how special this little album is for you um yeah a little fat mini album i guess or an ep whatever you want to call it fad tracks i'd <clears throat> actually recorded that about a year ago and um i'd we'd, we'd finished chance to something new and I've been writing a, a bunch of new material and I've been playing an open G. I'll get a little bit nerdy, but everything is always you, which I think is a final track and change or something new. That's an open G, right? The, the, like a tuning and a guitar. And I'd set up my, and I'd just been listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell and I just was starting to play around with tunings and I just wrote three of the songs on, on the, that EP um, in open G. And I thought, oh, I'm not quite sure if this is going to fit where I want album two, you know, proper to go in terms of when I say proper, I mean, you know, you know, more produced, if you like. Um, and I went in, I said to Ro, I said, Rowan, look, I, I want to come in and just do some solo stuff, maybe to almost, because I'm always writing, Aaron, and sometimes you can get a little bit um, inundated with the amount of songs. Um, and that's not like a humble brag. I don't mean it like that at all. I mean, like, you just go, oh, wow, where are these going to fit? And I think, what I'm learning these days is when you're making a record, it's a really good idea to almost set a brief up, you know what I mean? Rather than just put a bunch of songs together, you create, curate the album before you, and I don't know a lot of people do that, but um, so anyway, so we, I, I said to Ro, let's record these. I'm not just guitar, me, voice. And he said, okay, well then we're just going to go old school. We're going to go live to tape. I'm going to get the, you know, $15,000 <laughs> microphone, the Neumann, and we're just going to do your live to tape, so you better practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rowan always has that great knack of, of pushing me. 
Um, so that's what we did. And we, we took two days and, and we mixed it there on the desk. And But I sat on it for ages because I was going, oh, is this going to confuse people? You know, you know what, what, what should I do? And, and he just said, I mean, just put it out, man. Just put it yeah. out. Yeah. And it was good because in the meantime, I've, I've sort of set a, a framework for, for what album two is going to be. Yeah, so that was it, really. P play live. I think did like three takes of each and, um, and picked the best one. Yeah, well, uh, thank you to Rowan for pushing you to put this together because, uh, mate, I, I love it. Um, I absolutely oh, love it, live album. And when they're done, yeah, and, with you know, that magic that's in the room, the chemistry, oh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you get any um, video footage or anything for the, from that? No, session? no, and that's 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 something that uh, I regret. Um, yeah, I, I I think, and I think this talks to probably me not wanting to put too much emphasis on a lot of this stuff because yeah, sure. it's self-preservation. I get anxious. I I, I have anxiety, and uh, like many people in this modern age, you know, and, and you sort of manage that your mental health mm. a little bit by going. I don't want to put too much pressure on. However. Um, I'm definitely going to look into when we do the sessions for album two that we that we we must get a lot of that video, get a lot yeah. of that recorded. I think, and there'll be less pressure because there'll be a longer period. And you know, I think I, <laughs> I think I was just crapping myself because I, I knew I had to get through it and want to stuff up Rose time. And you know, yeah. I, I I really um, you know, Rowan's been a wonderful collaborator, but you know, I really I, I really do my best not to let him down. You know. If that makes sense, and I must say that when we did that EP launch, where I played and then Pete played and then we played with the band, that opening set, I was absolutely shitting bricks, if you forgive my language, because yeah. I knew that that was the hard bit, really hard bit to do, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for some people it's not, but for for me, I get, I got, I got nervous. Sure. Well, there's some great tracks on it. There's five, five special ones, um, but right from back on the plains uh, to mainlands. The other side, weep for our daughter. Far out, what a song! Weep for oh, our thank, daughter. Thank you. Yeah, that's one of my favourites. And uh, light finishing off with light in the dark. Um, yeah, incredible. Uh, so that that leads us to um, big shoes to fill, Mr. Mark Sinton, in album number two that you're going to push out. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would say so. Look, I'll probably um, we were actually hoping to do a little bit of pre-production this month. Um, but I just kind of, I just ran out of time because I got COVID and it sort of knocked me around for about three weeks. Yeah. Got COVID at someone's gig. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, yep, yep. Um, well, let's see. It's a lot of it's demoed, and I, I don't know, Aaron. I'm, I'm just going to do it and use your own, use your own sort of scale of, yeah. of whether you think, use your gut instinct whether you think it's good enough. Yeah. Lean on a few friends. You're a tough judge, but I'm sure it'll be good enough, Mark. And uh, it'll be an incredible Christmas present next year if uh, you can pull it off. So, um, oh, I hope to. Such hope a bit to. of a time frame. Who knows? Um, and where can where can people come and see you? Uh, is there anything coming up pre-Christmas? Uh, yes, we've I've got we've got one more show. Um, I've deliberately kept it lean because I wanted to maybe spend a little time doing some pre-production towards the end of the year. Um, we're playing the band are doing two sets at the five to seven slot at the Union. On the 25th, the November the 25th, which I think is a Saturday, if I've got that right. I think it is. Uh, and might need verification on that. Um, yep. But yeah, the 20, 20, yeah, the 25th. So uh, Dave the Booker, I've played there a few times, as you, as you know, but Dave the Booker has been saying, Mark, get your band down, get your band down. So fine. I mean, the band's now consolidated the, the lineup. So yeah, 25th of November, we'll play a couple of sets. Have you played full band there yet? No. Yeah, I didn't think no. so. Yeah. I, awesome. I played it about three times. It's either been me, myself and Rich, Richie, yeah. just as a duo. Yeah. 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 He's a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you surround yourself by guns. It makes you look good. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that one. Give a quick shout out. Give a quick shout out to the rest of the band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we've got Eliza Lamb that plays bass and backing vocals. Um, yeah. She was in a band with Rowan back in the day. And um, Richard Oldfield, who's guitar player extraordinaire, he plays everything, but he plays guitar. And then uh, Saki Sakamoto, who I'm sure people will be aware of in other bands. She's the drummer in the Golden Rail, um, and she's come across. So it's which is great, bloody bloody fantastic. Yeah, really, 
really wonderful people to spend time with more importantly yeah. Mm. Yeah, give you some wings to sit behind you, mate, um, and push propel you forward. So uh, That's exciting right. times. Exciting times. We're going to finish it there, Mark. Um, I know we can talk for easy another hour, but what I'd like to do is invite you back in another twelve months' time, or whenever you feel like you want to jump on and talk about anything to do with music or anything uh, coming up. So thanks Absolutely. for spending. We we did end up clicking over an hour, mate. So it'll uh, do. Yeah, I told you that would happen. Absolutely. So once again, thanks, Mark, for spending oh, you. Um, your time with us on a Wednesday night. Thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me a, a forum to sort of show off a little bit. Anytime. No problem. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, you soon. Cheers, Phil. Thank you. How awesome to have Mark Sinton with us. Uh, incredible couple of songs there. And wow, who would have thought the latest and greatest final song from the Beatles, possibly. Um, who knows? Uh, and Mark did it uh, true justice for sure, as many people will attest to. So I just want to give a quick plug to a couple of gigs coming up before we finish up um, tonight. Actually, uh, if you probably you, you might if you're in a hurry, you might be able to race down to the gem uh, and check out the Deary, who's doing a gig at the gem tonight. Uh, free gig, mind you. But don't forget Luli Palooza, uh, the big festival for the Luli Tavern is on this week, headlined by the Murlocs and Coffin. Full Flower Moon Band from Brisbane, uh, who are incredible. And all our split system, and this list goes on, but we mustn't forget um, one of our favourites who came on the show a couple of weeks ago, Emily South, uh, who with her new, uh, not new lineup, but she just released a new album. So make sure you go and check that one out. And Sunday the 12th, uh, Recovery Mode, is we're going to call it, for Small Town Romance, live at the Gem, and Luke Sinclair's set is going to open for them. So that'll be uh, a nice way to finish off a Sunday after a big um, Melbourne Cup weekend. So there you go. Tomorrow night, um, we're going to catch up with Al Carr. Uh, this will be great. I can't wait to do this. Castle Main's own Al Carr. And if you uh, haven't heard of Al Carr, um, you boy, you're going to know him by the end of this uh, set. So uh, look forward to having a chat tomorrow night. Um, thank you to everyone that's joined us on this show. There's been so many guests. Um, I need to update this list, but there's a, there's a little... Brief list of uh, who we've had on on a uh, 115, 116 shows now. So we're rolling along. We've saved a number 100. So I'm interested in some ideas for where we're going to do and what we're going to do for our 100th show uh, that we can just slot in there at some stage. So I've got a couple of ideas. Um, Beatles have been mentioned. Stones have been mentioned. Um, so, but I'm open to other ideas. We did a Tom Petty cover night once um, where we invited four different artists on and they all played their favourite Petty song. So we may do something similar potentially with the Beatles or the Stones. So um, I'll take some uh, recommendations and then we'll look at where we can do it. So um, don't worry, John, Mr. John Baxter, you can come back and check this out. This, uh, this recording will stay on the big wide world um, and appreciate everyone jumping on and having a listen um, some of our best fans, John, Johnny Wordfine, Wordy, who's always at our gigs, um, Miriam, thank you for uh, jumping on as well, and Gary Oxley and a few good friends of Mark as well. So um, look forward to seeing you out there at a gig. Um, please get out there and support local music. Um, the big bands are here. They're coming as well for next year. Look out. McCartney's just been here, um, and it's all set up for a big 2024. Look forward to seeing you out there. Um, come and say hello. I'm no stranger. Enjoy music and I'll see you out there.